Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. Peter's closing out this letter. In fact, in uh, this, uh, this, uh, this section, starting in verse 12, is really the last paragraph, and arguably it's that part of the letter. If you were writing a letter to a friend, if you, I don't know if we do this much anymore. You know how we used to do the old letter, dear so-and-so, and sincerely. This is that little part that's the sincerely in your name and the, the P.S. It's that part of the letter. It's that last little bit. It's not the point of the letter. It's just kind of a, a quick wrap-up. It's just, uh, we're closing things out. That's, what he's at. that's where he's at in this letter. So he says in verse 12, I want you to see this, where he says, by Sylvanius. Uh, he's closing out this letter saying that there's somebody who's helped him. He's, he's, he's said all these things, but he says, by Sylvanius, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose. He says, there's a man named Sylvanius who has helped me write this letter. Some think, and I, I, I would tend to agree with them, that Peter probably dictated this letter, and a man named Sylvanius, you know him in the book of Acts as Silas. That's just the same name, just a, there's one's a Roman form, one's a Greek form, but essentially uh, the same man. Um, so we, we believe Silas was probably there with Peter, and Peter's just dictating this to him, and he's writing it down. So he's just telling you, listen, Sylvanius helped me wrote, write this letter and get this over to you, and he's a faithful man. He's been faithful to me, and I'm sure he's been faithful to you. That's what he's saying there. He goes on to say that I have written briefly, and he says he's basically summing up, I, I've just written all this stuff, written briefly to you, and you know Peter's not a long, long letter, exhorting and testifying. He's saying, I'm doing two things with this letter, exhorting and testifying. Exhorting, he's encouraging them. Encouraging them specifically to believe. He's saying, in fact, he's saying, I want you to please, please, please believe what I've written to you. He's exhorting you. But he also says, I'm testifying to you. I'm bearing witness to you. I'm telling you about something that I have seen and experienced myself. I'm sharing this with you, and I want you to be Oh, no, I want you to know that what I'm telling you is something that's real. So he's saying, I'm, I'm testifying and exhorting that, and here's the key phrase here, that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. He says this, now what's this that he's talking about? Well, it's the whole letter that he's talking about. He says, but this stuff that I wrote to you, this stuff that I wrote to you, it, it, it's, it's the grace, it's the stuff that gives you your standing with God. This letter encapsulates, is what he's saying, it encapsulates for you who you are and what you are in Jesus Christ. For just a moment, if you'll bear with me, let me just remind you of what he's talking about here. He's reminding us or telling us that God loved us before everything ever started. That the Spirit makes us what we ought to be and that Jesus' blood was shed to save us. That's what he says in chapter 1, verse 2. In verse 3, he says we've been born again to have real hope because of the resurrection. In 1, 4, we have a valuable, guaranteed, never-to-be-diminished inheritance. 1, verse 4, he says we're going to be kept by the power of God. No, nobody can take us away from God. 1, 7, our faith will flourish it's not just going to stay strong, but it will flourish in the middle of trials. 
1 verse 8 through 13, we will, we will, underscore will, 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 we will see Jesus one day. No doubt, no, no question. 1 verse 15, we can indeed be holy. 1 verse 18 and 19, we have been bought by the precious, valuable blood of the Lamb of God. 1 verse 23, we have been born again by incorruptible seed, the Word of God. 2 verse 5, we are acceptable, we are useful to God. 2 verse 9, we've been chosen, we are royal, we are holy, we are uniquely God's treasure for His praise, for His glory. 2 verse 10, we've obtained mercy from God. Thank the Lord we've obtained mercy. 2 verse 13 to 17, we can actually live a life that shows other people that God is working through us, that we are living His will. 2 verse 19 and 20, our suffering and even unjust treatment, people when they abuse us and they, they disuse us, that is actually being used by God and glorifying to Him even in the worst of circumstances. 2 verse 21, we can walk. We actually have in front of us the big old footprints of Jesus Christ and we can walk in His footsteps. 2 verse 25, if you're a Christian, you have a senior pastor that beats every senior pastor that ever was and His name is Jesus. 3 verse 1 through 7, even your marriage, and I mean the worst of marriages, if you are a Christian and that marriage, I don't care if it's good, bad, or ugly, that marriage glorifies God. 2 verse 8 through 12, we can, even in the face of evil, be loving. Christians can. Two, 3 verse 13 to 17, we, will be, we, we, we are going to be persecuted, but God will redeem our persecution. 3 verse 18, he, he adamantly de uh, declares that Jesus has been resurrected. 3 verse 21, we've been saved from God's wrath. 3 verse 22, Jesus is on top of and over and in control of everything. 4 verses 1 through 3, sin no longer controls us. It is no longer in charge. 4 verse 8 through 11, we can be, as Christians, loving and kind to people who don't even know Jesus. Lost people should know that we love them. 4 verse 12, our suffering has a purpose. 4 verse 13, we get the benefits of his suffering. 4 verse 14 to 16, he is glorified in our suffering. 4 verse 19, God is faithful to keep us. 5 verses 1 through 4, he gives us faithful leaders. Verse 5, he makes us humble people so that he will be gracious to us because he is humble. we are humble. 5 verse 6, he will exalt us at exactly the right time. 5 verse 7, we can take everything that bothers us, everything that worries us, and we can throw it on Jesus. 5 verse 9, he gives us the faith that is necessary to resist the devil. 5 verse 10, he's going to set everything right. 5 verse 11, he is always going to be glorious and in control. That's just a little sampling of what Peter's talking about there. And come back to what he says in verse 12. And this, all that stuff, this is the grace wherein you stand. You, if you're a Christian tonight, all of those things are true all of the time. I've said it a couple of times in the last few weeks, and I'll reiterate it to you tonight. Sometimes I don't always feel very Christian. Sometimes my Christianity doesn't get into my heart in the way I'd like it to. My, 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 my mind wants to, it wants to feel a little unchristian, a little unholy. But that doesn't make this any less true. You understand, that may mean I'm sinful, it may mean I'm wrong, it may mean I need to get right with God, but that doesn't make this any less true. 
See, sometimes we, we get this mistake that sometimes because we feel a certain way that this is not true. And he says, no, 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 no. You have to understand that this grace is true because God said it's true. And Peter's saying, this is the grace. This is the true grace wherein you stand. So based on this, there's two more verses here, and I want to give you the fact that he's saying in his closing words, that's the grace, and because that's the grace, because that is true, there's very real-world implications for you as a believer of Jesus Christ. There's two things here I want to give you. Verse 13 is the first one. He's talking about this church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus my son. First thing I want you to hear from me on that verse, and we'll come back and look at it, is because the grace of Jesus Christ is very real and it allows us to stand in it because we are because that grace is available and that grace is true there are very real world implications the first is there is a vast world out there of brothers and sisters who we can count as our brothers and sisters in Christ he's talking about here this Babylonian church most people would agree, and I think I tend to agree with them, that this is probably the church at Rome. This is probably the church at Rome that he's talking about. Now what you've got to understand about the church at Rome versus the people that Peter's writing to, Peter's probably writing to people that are over in Turkey. So you understand where that is, that, that country that's Turkey? And he's, writing, and, and he's talking about this church in Babylon that's in Rome. There's a couple of differences there. One is, that's far away. That's Christians that are away, far away from them. But you have to understand something about your God. That grace wherein you stand, He can save all kinds of people. He can save people that are all over this world. Do you know that tonight you have brothers and sisters, people that you will spend eternity with, maybe even next door neighbors with, in heaven, that are in Africa, in Asia, are in Europe, are in, in South America, I mean, all over this globe. Our God is a big God, and He can save people in all kinds of places. He also, you got one thing to understand about this, is they're probably in more of a rural setting that Rome, that's the big city. That's the big city. And I want you to know that God can save people, and He does save people from all kinds of situations and all kinds of backgrounds. He saves different races of people. He saves people from religious backgrounds. He saves people who are never in church ever a day in their life. He saves people from all kinds of situations and backgrounds. He saves people in big cities and little, little, little rural towns that don't even have a stoplight in them. He saves people of all sorts and kinds. The other thing about Rome, and you can kind of get the hint of it from the word Babylon that he's using there, that we, we would understand it's probably would be considered the center of a lot of evil. I mean, you had, you had, you had the Caesars and all their, their hatefulness and their ungodliness that they were doing. So here you've got a, a church right in the middle of basically Satan's throne. Why is that? Because God saves all kinds of people in all kinds of setting. God, could, God doesn't have to have the Bible belt for us to be saved. In fact, there are people, I, I know of a brother right now who, who is, uh, has started a church many years ago, but he's in New York City, and it's a tough, tough uh, mission field, if you can imagine that, but that's what he's got, and he's up there, and he is doing a great work up there, but it's hard work for him. It is very hard. Actually, I know two brothers, uh, Pastor Recker and then, and then the other man who's over in Brooklyn. So, I mean, the, these guys are, they're do, they, but if, you ever, if there ever was a center of evil, 
I'm just saying, and from a, from a spiritual perspective, there is just like this melting pot there. But you know that you've got brothers and sisters there. They are there. And he says that, that these people, these people that are far away in Babylon, they are elected together with you. They are elect. Do you know what that means? That means that you're in Christ. You are elect in Christ. You have been chosen by God. He, he saved you. It wasn't me that saved you. You didn't save yourself. Mama didn't save you. Daddy didn't save you. Preacher didn't save you. God saved you. But you know what he says there? They are elect together with you. These people are also in Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we get this idea, and I don't think we mean to. There's nothing, no, no, I don't think we mean to do it. I know I do it, and I don't mean to do it. But we get this idea that if somebody doesn't go to an independent Baptist church with a preacher that wears a suit and a tie and has a piano and an organ, you know, we got these little criteria of what we think church is supposed to be. And if they don't do that, then they must not be going to heaven when they die. Let me just tell you, if you really think that, by the way, you're wrong. That's not how this works. The, Jesus is the one that saves us. It's not those things. Now, we might like this kind of music or that kind of dress or whatever. Those are all fine and well as far as they go. But that's not salvation. You've got brothers and sisters that are across town in a church that we might not agree with 100% on a lot of things, but they're our brothers and sisters. Do you understand? Because we're elect in Christ. What's true of us? What saved you? I sure hope it wasn't coming into a, a church that had pews and a pulpit. Because if that's what saved you, I'm sorry, you're going to a different place than I'm going. I've got saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. These people are elect together. Do you see that? They're elect by Jesus Christ. He goes on to say that these brothers saluteth you. This idea of saluting is, is it kind of in, it, it con, it conveys the idea of accepting and embracing and, and, and it's sort of greeting one another. It's that idea. It's what's going on there. And what I want you to see is that these brothers are they love you and they are for you. And you say, well, Matthew, who in the world are you talking about? I don't know who I'm talking about. There's all kinds of people out there, all of them. But I'll give you my personal experience of this. In 2009, I had the opportunity to go with my dad over to uh, Kenya and Rwanda. Spent two weeks, one week in Kenya, one week in Rwanda. And got to meet some of those men. And I remember, and those people over there, and I remember I was as jet-lagged, upside-down, as backwards as everything, and Saturday night, I'm rolling into the, the bed, and I, I don't even know when I went to sleep, and when I got up, I couldn't tell you up from down. But Sunday, Sunday morning, the door's rattling, it's time to go, and I get up, and I roll into the church with them, and it's a, it's a room, honestly, I mean, it's, it's about half the size of our foyer, room about that size, just a little bitty room. And there's probably 30 people in that room just ringed around the outside of that room, and they're all squatted down. And, I, and, my, and I, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm half in, half out, because I've been sleeping, not sleep, and rattled 16 hours of plane rides and everything else. And my, dad, my daddy says, he says, Matthew, you're going to preach this morning. I thought, oh, my goodness, I ain't ready to preach, but okay, I'll do it. And I had a little sermon that I had prepared. I knew I was going to have to do that some, so I had something in my mind that I could go and do. But let me tell you, I stood before those brothers and sisters and they understood me through an interpreter, but I can tell you I felt about that big standing in front of them. Not because I was jet-lagged, that didn't help, but it was because I knew these people, they were praying, loving God people, and they looked at me like I had arrived. You know why? Because they were for me and they loved me. Now I can tell you, what I had to say 
I don't know if I could remember what I had to say because it wasn't worth listening to other than it was the Bible, obviously. But what I'm trying to get you to see is you had brothers and sisters, and you would, if you were ever to have a chance to go and see whether it's in another foreign field or even go across town to another uh, sister church, I guarantee you, some of you have had this experience. You've been in the presence of brothers and sisters, and there's a palpable communion. There is communion in their spirit. Now, honestly, I've also been in the other situation too. Well, there ain't much communion going on, and you know there's something, something's wrong. But in this case, I'm trying to say that this is not some mystical thing. There's a, we understand what it is. You've got the same Holy Spirit that they've got. So you know what they do? They love you, and they're for you. I want you to see that God has got a vast world of brothers and sisters out there. Sometimes we can get this Elijah syndrome, syndrome that thinks we're the only ones that's ever made it. We're not. We're absolutely not. God saves all kinds of people. All kinds of people, like the little song, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. He loves all sorts of people, not just as he's sitting up in heaven loving them, he saved a lot of them. He saved a lot. They've called on his name, they've heard the gospel, and they've responded, and their Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is dwelling in them. You need to understand, you are not alone. You have a family that is all over this world, not just these brothers and, this, and sisters in this church, but all over this world that you have a vast family that's for you and that loves you. But not only is there a vast world of brothers and sisters, in verse 14 I want you to see there's also a close world, there's an intimate world that, of brothers and sisters. See in verse 14 he says there, greet you one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. He says greet one another with a kiss of charity. Now we ain't going to do this right now. Uh, we're not even shaking hands right now. So we're not going to do that. But I think we can, we can get the spirit of this. Uh, and really, that's really what, what I think is in view here. This idea of greeting, it's, it's a joyful embrace. Yes, there's a, a physical embrace of you know, actually hugging, and that, that's part of a greeting that can be there, or a firm handshake or something like that. Those are, those are appropriate ideas, but that the idea of greeting is really about joyfully accepting brothers and sisters. And I want to encourage you that this is not a this is not a cosmic big kind of big picture idea. This is a very real, very visceral person on person thing. All of the things don't don't miss all the things. Let me just go back to my notes to remind you stuff like uh, you've been bought by the blood of the Lamb. The fact that you walk in the footsteps of Jesus, like Jesus was resurrected. All those facts that puts you in because those are things are true. That puts you in a position to not just walk up to somebody as a as a sort of social custom hey, brother, hey, sister, or hey, Mark, or whatever you say to people. No, no, no. That puts you in a position that that person is a spiritual, eternal being that has been bought by the blood of the Lamb. He truly is, or she truly is, your family now. Not a brother like we like to ride motorcycles together or a brother like we were in the military together. And I get that there's some bonds that get, bound, that get made that way. But I'm saying this is like real, legitimate, eternal, spiritual family. And unfortunately, too many of us, too many of us see one another as, yep, that's the guy I go to church with. Yeah, he might go to church with him, but God died for him. And he died for you so that you're now family together. So we ought to embrace one another, actually worship and walk with these people, worship together and walk with these people. That's why they're together with you. These are not just so we can get a big bunch of people in church. 
I don't know if y'all knew that or not, but we're not just trying to fill up a church so we can go tell people, hey, we got X number of people at our church. That's not the reason. These people come to church with us, not because I'm such a great preacher. At least I don't think that's the case. I sure hope that's not why y'all are coming. I sure hope it's not because we've got great singing. I sure hope it's not those things. You know, here's the reason we're coming together is because you, brother, need this brother, and this sister needs that sister. We need one another, and we all need each other. That's why we've been put together. So we need to greet each other like we like each other. Do you understand what I'm getting at? Actually act like we care about one another to a point. Not just like, oh, how are you feeling? I'm talking about, I'm praying for you. I'm I'm talking about, I see you and I know that you've spoken into my life. You've encouraged me. And some of y'all have that. you've, You've seen that with each other. Make sure you're branching that out further because that's why you're here. He says we should greet one another. So we should embrace, accept one another. But he says with a kiss of charity. In other words, to do this out of love. That's what the word charity ultimately means, to do this out of love. Not to do this out of, uh, this idea of a kiss would have been the, the ritual. You know, when you, in the Middle East, that's what they would have done. they kind of kiss up on the cheek, like we would do a handshake. It's kind of the ritual thing to do. I mean, I can't tell you how many people's hands I have shaken in my life that I couldn't tell you why I shook their hands other than they just stuck it out to me. I mean, that's honest to truthly. That, that's, how, that's how we do, don't we? Just, it's what you do. It's a social custom. He's saying here, don't, don't, just do, don't just do a customary kiss. Do this out of charity, out of a heart of love. Do this because this is an expression, almost a purposeful expression. Sometimes we've got to be a little more purposeful about this stuff. Be a purposeful expression of how much we actually love one another. Not just a, yep, my hand, to shake my hands, time to shake hands. No, 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 a purposeful expression of the fact that you love and accept each other. Ultimately, you need to see what he says there. Peace be unto you that are in Christ Jesus. This is only possible in Christ Jesus. You, if this is, if this is true, you are in Christ. You are not alone. And we ought not live like it. We are not alone. We've got a family that spans this globe. And we've got some brothers and sisters that sit right next to us. Some of us live pretty close to each other. We can call each other and reach out to each other all the time. We ought to be doing that because we've got a family that loves us and cares for us because of the blood of Christ. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.